Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Well, Scotty, it's good to be here behind the mic with you again um, after a win. How good was that? 6-4 over the Cowboys to start the season. It wasn't the prettiest game, but um, we'll take the win. Well, I was watching the game and I, part of me goes, do we be positive? I mean, we win. We, we don't win round one often the last few years. We usually win in round three for our first win of the season. Um, but it was hot. It was humid and raining in North Queensland. It was one of the hardest road trips. I uh, mean, we had Mitch Brown on the podcast last year. He said it was one of the hardest road trips going up to North Queensland. So maybe a 6-4 win against the Cowboys in Townsville is a good thing. Yeah, it's probably the hardest conditions of, of the week, uh, for the NRL at least. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you what, it was it was an ugly win. But those are the games that we've been losing. So it's good to get the... Um, Good to get an ugly win on the board. Hopefully it gives the players some confidence. Um, we didn't uh, do a particular preview for this game last week because we had Andy Raymond on the show to do a season preview. We talked about how important the start of the season is for the Bulldogs and for possibly Coach Trent Barrett. Got some news about him later. But, um, yeah, positive starts. I hope it gives them confidence going forward up against the Broncos. Hopefully it's played in... Uh, easier conditions to play in, and they can really take confidence going forward. Is the attack a concern, though? It's They only scored six points, but in saying that, it was wet, it was hot. It was a mid-30-degree day in Townsville. Storms, rain, like storming at one stage, and it stopped, and then it stormed towards the end, the second half of the game. So it wasn't the most comfortable conditions for a round one clash. Uh, it really played into the Cowboys' hands, training in that those conditions all year, all, all off-season, I should say. And then into it. So is six four like we do? Do we put question marks over our attack, or do we just say we took a a tough away win and then just build on that? Clearly, question marks over the attack. We talked about it throughout the trials. It looked um, similar to what we've seen in previous years, despite the influx of of the players that we've got. Uh, and then we only scored one try in round one. Um, of course, it's going to be a concern, especially and especially coming up against the Brisbane Broncos this week. Uh, they've got attack right across their field, so we're going to have to score more than six points to beat the Broncos. But um, in saying that, I think the most important part, obviously, was the win, and hopefully they can take that as confidence moving forward. But it wasn't wasn't without controversy, Scott, about, two, I don't know what it was, probably two minutes before the siren, three minutes before the siren, the oh, Cowboys yeah. scored what looked like the match winner that was uh, later called back for about being offside by about 30 centimetres. Um, I'll tell you what, I-, I stormed off when that try happened. I walked walked down the hallway in disappointment going, F me, it's happened again. Got, I had very little hopes going into that game. Got my hopes up throughout that second half, only to be let down again. Uh, but when I returned... Um, 10, 15 seconds later, uh, there was under review, and uh, what a relief! Oh, live, it just looked—it just looked like it. I was thinking that we needed to get to t- when we got to six, we needed to at least get twelve in that game with the conditions. I thought twelve might have been enough, seeing the Cowboys missed their first goal kick, and then when I didn't get to twelve, and I saw that, I said, "Yep, that's why we needed to get to twelve because of a try like that at the end." It just and it, you know, you just watched it live. You kind of feel sorry for the Cowboys fans at the stadium. They erupted as one and thought they got the the win because they needed the win as as much as the Bulldogs did. 
they both yeah. needed the win for their coaches security for their the way how the season is structured they're versing winnable well, games from if you look at last year's form we've seen what what the reporting has been like on the cowboys in the last couple of days um two point loss in round one and um under heavy heavy criticism at the moment um talking about coach leaving talking about their best player and highest paid player leaving so I think that shows just how much pressure both teams were under. Well, that could have been uh, us. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. It could have been us. Uh, and it, it would have been if if uh, that try was given for sure. Um, we'll break down a little bit of the game. Like we said, it wasn't the wasn't the greatest game to break down uh, or, or to watch, to be honest, uh, even as the Bulldogs fair. The only reason why I think I was glued to the screen the whole 80 minutes was because the Bulldogs were involved. Because <laughs> mm. two other teams were being a hard watch. Um, and, and there wasn't too many highlights uh, overall uh, as far as exciting play goes. But we'll highlight a few players in a minute. We'll do our, our Player of the Year points as well um, and go from there. But I guess the biggest controversy is the, um, out of this game the Bulldogs have been given a please explain by the NRL over the HIA of Jeremy Marshall King. He's HIA activated uh, the 18th player, the, the reserve player for the HIA, uh, and it just happened to be a centre, which the Dogs desperately needed at that time. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bulldogs respond to that uh, going forward. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it was interesting because when Marshall King went down, it definitely looked like a shoulder or a neck type of like you know the shoulder meets neck it was something like that however he did not look good at all when he was getting assessed on the sideline we we had a a weird one that the same trainer last year had left Lachlan Lewis on when Lachlan Lewis was knocked out in front of everyone in front of 25,000 fans mm. um everyone in the world everyone watching the game saw it I think everyone in the world could see that the fact Lachlan Lewis was knocked out and he got given the thumbs up and now he's been, he's been told he needs to be more you know conservative when it comes to head knocks and stuff like that. They look like there could have been a boot would clip Marshall King on the chin when he wouldn't for a tackle. So there's contact to the head and he came back and he looked pretty groggy. So he probably did his duty of care. Is it was it was he given a message from Trent Barrett if there's anything around the head that we're gonna play we can get shop on? Not sure. Um mm. But he's been criticised in the past, that trainer, for leaving players on. He's A couple times last year, he had to drag players off two minutes later. This time, he makes the quick call, the swift call, saying, no, off you go, you need to head down for a head assessment, which activated mm. Aaron Shop. But still, when you activate your 18th man, which is, I think, something we didn't we need to highlight, the Bulldogs obviously lost Braden Burns, who got absolutely clobbered in a, a head clash. No, nothing, yeah. no malice in it, but Jesus, looked like a boxer, I think the Brenton Speed said. Cop, like copying a knockout blow after his pass. Um, so he was gone. Um, Brent Naden was another one who was gone. Mm-hmm. And then Marshall King could have just been lucky one of those nights where the centers are uh, gone. And then Chris Plateau, gone. Oh, bang, bang, bang. Like when you have to activate your 18th man, mm. it is a gutsy win. You shouldn't have, like, I mean, you should, backs against the walls, you shouldn't win. And the Bulldogs still found a way to mm. win with a one man bench. It's interesting. Hopefully, Marshall King, and it's weird to say this, but hopefully, Marshall King did have a head injury, so the the club doesn't get fined and you know not doing the wrong thing. Because I I remember thinking when he was um when the trainer tapped him on the head and said you've got to come off, my uh, thought was this is actually good. 
<laughs> yeah. Jump. We've just lost two centers, and now we're going to at least get one back. Uh, and so, a quality one, too. So I can understand where um, where people are putting two, two and two together there. Um, the other thing I wanted to highlight with uh, the head injuries, or the one we can talk about is Braden Burns, obviously the new rule bunker ref uh, the bunker doctor decides to pull him off it took 10 minutes so hopefully that speeds it up especially when you can see him you can see uh, on the replay straight away that he fell weightlessly to the ground um should have been picked up sooner there could i maybe add i don't know if there's any technical issues going north queensland because you obviously the bunkers in redfern no but the weather was crap all day in north queensland storms you know the Usually they're the, the type of conditions where communication lines get lost or refound. So, yes, you probably you could look at it live that Braden Burns went motion like down. It was it didn't bounce back up. He needed the assistance of his teammates to get up. Um, and after the try was scored, not many people uh, was surrounding Jaden Ockenball. They were surrounding Braden Burns who was laying on the ground. That goes to show you how serious the head knock was. Mm-hmm. Um, but could we maybe give the NRL a cut a little bit of slack that took him so long to get him off the field because maybe communications were lost because it was just randomly yeah. a couple of, like you said, about 10 minutes later. You, time you, went prob- off. you probably need to go, though, if, if that's the problem, then having a refer- uh, doctor in the bunker is not the solution. If it's yeah. cause of communication problems, then we can't have the doctor in the bunker. That would be my, my thought process on that. I think... Uh, I don't think there was communication problems. We didn't have any problem with the referee communicating to the bunker throughout the night. So I just think it's a slight little hiccup. It's a new rule. So I'll give him time to, to iron out the crank teething. Yep. Um, absolutely. And go from there. Um, so we'll try to highlight some players that uh, we haven't selected for our player of the year points. And I know two of yours. So I'll try not to, um, to uh, touch on too much. How about we start with the... Um, with the new signings. So yep. Matt Dufty had some good touches in the game. Yeah, well, he uh, made a massive line break and created out of nothing, really. And that's the advantage Matt Dufty's got over the fullbacks of the past is when there's a half opportunity or a quarter opportunity, you can turn it into something just based on speed. Like We always said we can't always rely on that for speed. Like, like the try against he scored against Newcastle where he just mm-hmm. picked up a loose, picked up the crumbs and just kept running, um, but he made he caused a bit of headaches, and that's what speed does. That causes headaches, especially in the middle of the field. And I can see the more our attack gels, and we could cause some troubles, especially in those end parts of the half, or you know where those interchanges where they're about to come and come off could be more strategic with only eight. So you've got to start pushing some of the big boys a little bit longer. Um, so with you know that 20, 25th minute mark where you're trying to push out your forward as long as they can. Um, so Dufty, I think he played pretty well. Like he never got too much opportunities. I actually think he did score a try. We were talking about this before recording. You don't think it was a try. I watched it live. Thought, I fought forward, watched it on replay and was like, oh, I was wrong on that one. Um, but they ripped that one straight up live. That was pretty quick call from the referee. So I suppose, you know, you have to go with those ones if we're yeah. disagreeing with it. Um, usually means say, it's a 50, 50. I'll just say I had the exact opposite experience I, I thought it was fine live and then i i changed my opinion on the slow motion but we'll just call it a 50 50 but yeah, it, yeah i mean get that right next week we could do that again next week and dufty this time scores a try 
against mm. Brisbane, especially against the, the their big boppers. They got quite a yeah. few big ones. That he would be a little bit a pain in the neck. So I thought he played all right. Um, not the conditions for a Matt Dufty though, to uh, to be at his best, but he did everything required. I reckon. Yeah. So in the outside backs, we had Braden Burns and uh, Brent Naden. I thought those two were were quite strong. Uh, from their centre position. Obviously, Josh had a car showing leadership qualities as well and almost mm-hmm. running 450 metres. Uh, the forward pack uh, was pretty tight, I thought. Um, obviously, room for improvement. Um, but, you know, Paul Vaughan, uh, Arva Cinematic Fungi, Corey Waddell, all starting and running over 100 metres in that game. Mm, the, it was interesting because also another thing we need to highlight is Tevita Pengai Jr., who was named to play got his jersey presentation the night before. Yeah. So that's how much they were committed for him to play, then him pulling up with some hamstring tightness and soreness. Um, on game day, he's available, but we'll go through the team list when we talk about the Broncos game later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big blow. One of the bigger recruits gone straight away. Um, but another thing that, that's to be said, everyone wanted Aaron Shop in the side and... You couldn't say Braden Burns and Brent Naden did anything wrong. Yeah, well, I think that was the biggest shock, wasn't it? Uh, like, we didn't do a preview of this game um, because of that Andy Raymond season preview, but when the team list came out and there was no Aaron Chop, played all of the back end of last year, played the trials, um, that was the biggest shock uh, of probably the lineup that, yep. was, that was announced. Um, but, yeah, Braden Burns, you're right. Braden Burns, Brent Naden played... Both played brilliantly. I think, um, I thought Naden, and this is not looking at stats or whatnot, but I thought Naden had a bigger impact on the team than Ado Carr did. And I talk, um, I don't mean words or leadership, I mean physically. Impact on the team. A physical yeah. impact uh, on the team than Ado Carr did. Uh, I'm not saying Ado Carr had a bad game, and obviously Ado Carr brings experience and leadership, and, and you could see that um, oh. he, he was doing that. Uh, very, very well. Um, and you can understand why he was the... I'm pretty sure he was well, he's the captain of the Indigenous side, but he might have even been vice-captain at, yep. at one point because the referee goes, who's your captain? I am. Yeah, <laughs> it was when Jacko went off, yeah. When Jacko went off. So there you go. Um, and you know what? I never actually thought Josh Adekar was captaincy material, but seeing him in this uh, pre-season in round one, I think definitely he's got that... Um, yeah, got those qualities. I hundred percent agree. I was gonna say I was a bit iffy putting out a car as vice, mm. whatever. He's in the leadership group, but when he said he was captain and called that captain challenge, but not just that. After the captain challenge, only got one right. He's telling them to get ready, and then also when uh, Bulldogs held Cowboys on in the very uh, towards the end of the game, he's screaming at Josh Jackson, "Rally the boys, get them ready, get them ready, get them ready." We we still got like yeah. got work to do. Like it's not done. We've done part one of this, but now we've got to get out of our own end. We can celebrate, but it was automatically he was just clicking yeah. on, and that's classic. I think vice real... captaincy is really supporting the the actual skipper. Like great balance as well, because you got your skipper in the forwards, and you got Adekar in the backs, mm. so they can they can almost lead the team together on the field when they're both out there, which is great. Defense was good again, um, improvement to be made, but there's some desperation in that defense. Oh, scramble! Yeah, there was it was good. Um, Attitude, like I reckon, how you summed it up. The, the whole win was like it wasn't pretty. It was ugly. It was what Max King even said after the game. He said it was really, you know, dogs of war type of stuff, where your back's against the wall and you're just still turning up and turning up and just keep doing it and things that you can build off. Um, but yeah, the defense, 
they usually say, you know, you work your defense, your attack will come type of thing. So I'm hopefully that comes to fruition uh, next few weeks where we can start just building on our attack. But yeah, defensively, you know, they were pretty yeah. good. Like this try they scored, it was just a, you know, a Tom Dearden little dummy and you fell for it. I fell for the dummy watching it as well. So, you know, you can't really blame that and then straight through and then well, they, well, they got their try. So, you know, they scored a pretty decent try off the attacking. I couldn't really fault anyone falling for the dummy. It was pretty good by Tom Dearden. Cowboys kept the Bulldogs scoreless in the first half and the Bulldogs kept the Cowboys scoreless in the second half. The Matt Burton's boot. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Now, probably a couple of more. We'll quickly touch base on uh, probably two other shocks before kickoff or at least talking points. Luke Thompson got put back to the bench. Well, I saw that an hour before kickoff. Uh, I was surprised by that. And mm. Arva Cinematophangai started. He wasn't even named in the 17. <laughs> That's right. I, I feel like um, that was done for balance without Tavita Pego Jr. So it'd be interesting to see going forward if Thompson stays on the bench uh, with Cinematophangai starting with Pengai Jr. in the team or if, if that changes around. So that would be interesting. Yeah. Interesting to keep, yeah. keep an eye on that one. Good point. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, a lot of people, um, once they found out Tavita Penga Jr. was out, uh, were sort of uh, complaining that Corey Waddell would replace him um, and saying that he's not up to it. But 14 runs, 122 metres, 54 post-contact metres and 32 tackles suggest differently. I thought he had a good game and not only... Going by the stats, I noticed him out on the field. I thought he was mm. good. Yeah, and you also got stuck at centre at one stage as well, filling in at centre, which is he's done a little bit of that with uh, Manly with injuries uh, before, you know, getting out there and playing partial, part of a game out there. Mm-hmm. I actually noticed him too. It wasn't a Tevito Pengai Jr. game at his best. You notice Tevito went, oh, you notice Tevito went whenever. You look at him and he just stands taller than everyone and muscling everyone. But you notice Tevito being a common wrecking ball. Corey Waddell, we know he's not a wrecking ball second rower. He's a worker and you couldn't fault his efforts. I thought he played solidly as well. I thought it was a good game. And, you know, that I think he's one of his best games last year was us, with us was against the Sharks in a tight contest. And he stood out then with his uh, when he played in the lock, and you highlighted. I remember that game. It might kind of remind me of that game for Corey Waddell. That nothing pretty type of attitude, but you know, just got the work done and turned up for your teammate. I think that's when Corey Waddell's at his best. And um, yeah, he's definitely not gonna be a like for like replacement. But damn, he if he, when he's at his best, he doesn't let anyone down. Absolutely. Now two other forwards. Ran for over 100 metres off the bench. Luke Thompson, 130. And Max King, 111. Um, now, we'll talk quickly talk about the one try from our perspective. And then we'll get into the player um, player of the round or player of the week awards. This year, a little bit different. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just go with it now. This year, a little bit different. We've gone back to the 3-2-1. Scotty, you're giving three points to the best player. Two points and one point out for the game, uh, and I'm doing the same as well. So mm-hmm. we're going back to that. It's just a bit more simpler. Uh, not that last year didn't work well. Um, we've just got a few things going on at the moment, so we're going to go simple. <laughs> I like simple. There we go. Perfect. Alrighty, the try. Ockenball scores. Matt Bernard converts from the sideline. The conversion, winning the game <laughs> by the. Yep, turns out to be the match winner. Game game winning conversion. 
uh, to make it 6-4 from 4-4. Uh, to your point, I didn't think it was enough either. I was actually saying with 10 to go, 12 to go, we won't win this 6-4. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Yeah, I thought we'd have to get 12, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, even 10. But yeah, anyway, um, that's that's that case. The try, uh, Marshall King and dummy half, beautiful cutout ball, tap on by Braden Burns into the hands of uh, uh, Jade Lockenball, who only had to catch the ball, scroll five metres and put the ball, 10 metres and put the ball down. Uh, Braden Burns copying a, a head clash in being KO'd, falling to the floor. We have thoughts on that try. I thought it was a... I don't want to say, because Brady Birds is not a, um, you know, this experienced center who comes with 100 or 150 NRL games. He doesn't. Um, but he's been around the NRL. Like, you know, he's had a few horrid injuries, but he's been around, you know, South, South Sydney for a little bit before coming to Canterbury. I think he's worked with some of this, but that just looked like a classy <clears throat> center. Just did his part. He, I think he even knew he was going to cop a hit as well. That's what makes that center work even better from him. Just a little boop and on its way to the winger. It was just, I think it was classy. I think um, it was classy. And Ockenball just did what any winger, well, any good winger, you can only, you know, he only had to run five meters and score. And that's uh, what you want as a winger. I think when you're out there and you're thinking, thank you very much, I got the easy part of putting the ball down. And that's what Ockenball did. But I thought, I think the selection of Braden Burns uh, from Trent Barrett was a master, master pick. Like he's just classy. I know, no disrespect to Aaron Shop. Yeah. Um, I think Aaron Shop's a great center, but Braden Burns just little, slight little tap on. I feel it was. I thought it looked nice. I really enjoyed that the tap on part, especially when I think I think he knew that he was copping a shot, Braden Burns, and he yeah. just quickly got it on its way, accurate accuracy and everything. He looked cool about it too. It looks nice and didn't panic and just got it on its way. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind Aaron Chop being named in Jersey 3, Braden Burns in Jersey 2, and then Braden Burns jumping into centre on the attack. You have Shop outside him. That would be interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, one of the, you know, I was wanting actually originally Braden Burns to play on the wing. Yeah, but he can... That's what I'm saying. You play on the mm. wing so he can bring his ball back in defence, but he can just jump on the inside of shop uh, on certain attacking plays and try to set chop up in the corner, which would be interesting. Okay, let's do it, Scotty. 2002 Player of the Year for the Bulldogs NRL. 2022. Fans. Yeah, 2022. Did I say 2002? 2002. <laughs> We're going back back there, are we? Oh, that was a good year for the majority of it. Um, we just went yeah, let's go. You go first. We're going three, two, one. Who's your three? I'm going Max King. For the number th- for three points, um, okay. just noticed him. for he just bought his, you know, the work ethic. I don't, you know, I love a workhorse mm-hmm. uh, more than anyone. But I thought Max King, you know, thirty-eight minutes and over a hundred meters on the bench. You, a uh, hundred meters on the bench in thirty-eight minutes. I don't think you can ask any more from Max King. And I thought he played really well. And I know he's starting to pick up a bit of a following. At the Bulldogs uh, already, and I know he's won me over already quite quickly. Swore to celibacy too <laughs> during the week before. Um, yeah, yeah I'll tell you what, after watching the trials um, and watching that game on the weekend, Max King could be a smoky for um, by the season. Mm, well, 
didn't look like at the start of the, when he signed, we thought, oh, that's making our New South Cup team looking a little bit strong. Mm. And there's Jag the bench spot. And that's what he said he wanted to do. He said he was a realist. He said he wanted to at the preseason see if he could jag a bench spot and then keep it. So, yeah, but I thought he played well, and I'm giving him the three points off the he bench. Keeps playing like that, Scotty. He'll get a few run-on starts as well. Alrighty, my player for the three points. I had to go with Matt Burden. Now, a few reasons for it, and I thought long and hard about this one because mm-hmm. everyone knows I love a half, right? We haven't had a half of this caliber for quite a while, so I was tossing and turning with myself a little bit, thinking, am I just getting too excited because we've got a really classy half? But I'll put it this way. The Bulldogs, well, you keep the match-winning conversion as well, so that helps. That, <laughs> but match you up the, the order a little bit. I would argue the Bulldogs do not win this game without Matt Burden in the halves. And his kicking game, he had, I think, one or two shanks. I think one of his shanks ended up in the penalty anyway towards us. Yeah, um, Granville's, yep. Yeah. So, Contact, so that yeah. doesn't even count on the stats because it's a penalty. Um, but his kicking game, some of those kicks from deep inside our own territory were going 50, 60 metres on the fly, and it was taking us from a situation where we were under pressure to a situation where we weren't under the same amount of pressure in the following defensive set. If past years gone by, we would have kicked the ball down the field and they would have brought it back past the 50 on tackle one and our defensive team, our defensive lineup, uh, it's not the NFL, our defensive lineup would be under pressure uh, more than they were against the Cowboys uh, and for longer periods of time. I don't reckon the Bulldogs win the game without Matt Burnett's kicking game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's fair because yeah, I think I think it's correct. Like these kicks were booming. Like I even remember one kick where he put in Kyle Felt. I think it was one of his worst kicks at, when I was watching it live until Kyle Felt's reaction where he had to spin backwards to catch it. He made everything uncomfortable. Look, they, when they catching, for, they forced him to make twenty tackles. He still ran for eighty meters. He had fourteen kicks for five hundred and five meters in those conditions. Yeah, it's booming. Yeah. Now, now the next, the next. A kick meter player for the Bulldogs was Avarillo with 91. Um, but if you want to compare that to the best of the Cowboys, the opposite team playing in the same conditions, here we go. Number two most kick meters for the Cowboys was Tom Dean at 92, so one meter longer than Jake Avarillo. Chad Townsend <laughs> was number one with 347. Okay. So it's a 150 meter difference. Mm, just just kicking. Just screaming. Those booming kicks, even off kickoffs. I mean, he kicked one out of the full. Um, but he, even his kickoffs. Jeez, we couldn't even get a kickoff past the 10-meter line at one stage. <laughs> now we've got a kickoff. We've got to worry about this guy kicking it out of the full. And I, I can't remember which Cowboy player it was, uh, but there was there's one kick where he just just couldn't catch it. He just dropped it cold. Um, the kick was that good. Is it the hammer? I think it was the hammer. It might have been. I can't remember yeah. if it was him or Tulungi. But, um, yeah, there's one yeah. kick. No. no pressure as far as defense goes. Hit him on the chest and he just dropped it. The kick was that was that good. Smiling mm. throughout the air. All right, your number two, two points for you. Number two, we've touched on this bloke, uh, Braden Burns. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he got himself quite busy. And I just think he looked really classy at uh, at Senna. And I, like I said, I already said to Trent, I said that Trent Barrett made a great decision picking him in. We thought it was a shock decision and turned out to work out well so i've got Braden burns collecting two points all righty okay so for my two points i've given it to um max kick there we go we've got someone on the list on both okay 
Yeah, yeah. So we don't need to uh, to oh, go through that again. I mean, we uh, can. He played well. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, but we just talked about that. So um, Max King uh, moves to five points with with that in mind. Who did you give your one point to? Well, I've given my one point to the person you gave three points to. I gave it to Matt Burton, partly because of his kicking game. I thought his kicking game was perfect. I, I mean, I would have liked a little bit more, I mean, in attack, but then you put in conditions... For it, it's not like an outside back, so it was, I think it was a real, going to be a real slug. But Matt Burton, he's kicking, like he said, probably last year. He's not there. We don't win it. Mm-hmm. Probably. I'm safe to say that's a very likely scenario there. Absolutely. And uh, all of a sudden, from, from not agreeing on the three points to agreeing on the other positions, I've given the one point to Braden Burns. Uh, literally... The only try assist of the match, obviously. Uh, we've spoken about that in depth now. Um, but so, there you go. Are you saying the same three players, just mixed? <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> that's right. So I believe, and I've just been doing this on the run, but I believe that puts Max King in first position with five points. Uh, Matt yep. Burden into second position with four points. And then Braden Burns uh, in third position with three points after one match. That's... I mean, there you go. You've got to make both our lists if you want to win uh, the the amazing award of Podcast Player of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All righty, Scotty, let's go straight into some uh, Bulldogs news. Yeah, so the uh, Bulldogs and Western Clydesdales uh, have formed a partnership which is going to start in 2023. Uh, part of Phil Gould's, I think, tour around Queensland. The Bulldogs will commit to going to Toowoomba. Uh, This partnership will establish a a program working in the southwest of the Queensland area. I hope I didn't really know the Queensland area that well. Hence, I said southwest in the Queensland area because I'm just reading it off. Um, Yeah. Mistaken me if I'm wrong, but they will go to Toowoomba to do a couple of visits. Um, and they will, you know, run some programs out there to form a partnership to get a, a clear pathway into the Bulldogs. Yeah, Someone... so it's, it's part of the Western Clydesdales <laughs> bid to join the Queensland Cup. Yep. Um, now, yep. the Western Clydesdales were last in the Queensland Cup under the name of the Toowoomba Clydesdales when they were the feeder club to the Brisbane Broncos. Um, yep, yep. I believe that was the early 2000s. So, yeah, the partnership will see the Bulldogs assist the now Western Clydesdales in making that... Um, that transition back into the Queensland Cup. We'll set up some junior pathways that the Bulldogs have throughout our areas in Kittery-Bankstown and also up on the north coast. Uh, and it uh, looks like that we will be setting a trial possibly out to Toowoomba as well and perhaps down the track, uh, maybe some NRL games too. Uh, that, that venue out there, Clive Berg, Bergerfer Stadium, I believe it's called, uh, has, has actually had a couple of NRL games the last couple of years. Mm, nice. Gold Coast took a Gold Coast took a game out there um, a couple of years ago, and I think uh, it was the venue of one game during the lockdown period in Queensland as well. That's awesome, and hopefully, in return, with all this efforts, we can pick up a few new members and fans in that Toowoomba area, and then also, you know, taps into our junior base a little bit that we get to uh, work with some of our. It's a a rugby league area mm. and you know having us you know tap into that area and look after it and have that as a little bit of a feeding system it just 
only could be a good thing when it comes to bringing in young players into the Bulldogs. So, and for fans that are interested in how the club's doing outside of the NRL as well, because it's a, an interest in the Queensland Cup, a direct interest in the Queensland Cup as well. Follow some players through that pathway uh, from the Western Clydesdales jersey into a Bulldogs jersey, perhaps. Hmm, I like that. I like that. Uh, more news: Steve Steve Hansen uh, extends his deal with the high performance consultant for the Bulldogs for a further two. Two more seasons. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, All, All Blacks champion coach mm. created, well, give, created the, the culture of that yeah. winning. You know, All Blacks winning. Like, I mean, not being a rugby union fan, me knowing who he was goes to show you how yeah. big he actually was. Oh, he back created, in the years, created that modern day, that 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 um, the type of culture that you hear about about cleaning their own sheds. All that sort of Which stuff. Which Meninga came through Steve Hanson's time at the All Blacks. I think he won back-to-back World Cup finals. And I tell you what, as in his current role, he's currently got the Bulldogs as the best defensive team in the competition at the moment. So I knew you were going to throw that somewhere on the podcast. <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, so for those, yeah, for those, yeah, it's just that culture which everyone's trying to take now. I mean, don't blame him. It's a successful culture, and then you yeah. know, looking after yourself and being accountable. For certain things, I think that's the big thing—the accountability, you know, cleaning up after yourself, you know, respecting where you play. It's just amazing when you hear stories. I mean, we've done stadium tours out west, and they just say the All Blacks—you don't even have to run a cleaner for them at the end of their sheds. Like everyone you see has to be cleaned, um, but it feels like the All Blacks—you know—they just don't have to worry about putting the cleaner out in the sheds because it's already done for them before they get there. So that's. Um, it's amazing how everyone says that about the All Blacks, so that type of thing, and hopefully, you know, some of those things are getting feed down to the Bulldogs players now. Um, and then the other news, a little bit different, it's actually based on a, the stadium, a core stadium formerly known as ANZ, for those who are unaware of the name change yeah. late last year, December last year. They've just installed a 120-metre-long high-definition TV in the southern stand of the stadium, it, it stretches across the whole way. I mean, don't have to bring your glasses now when we're going to the bunker. I mean, the northern, the northern end still has its big screen, for mm. those who are wondering. So they still have a big screen on the northern end, this 120-meter one. They've been highlighting it, uh, showing it off, I guess, with their events coming up and future things. So yeah. they've been taking photos. I know you're not overly... Impressed, I'm impressed by. It. I just want to see what it looks like. To be honest, like on a game day, like it just. Yeah, look, I'm just interested to see what what experience it provides. Yeah, like how does it enhance the game day experience? And I'm just be interested to see how that works. I don't, I don't really have a for or against at the moment until I see it. Yeah, on Sunday. Look, I won't go down the a political rabbit hole here about why ANZ is not being turning to a permanent rectangle, which I I think needs, like, should happen. It's a must that ANZ turns into a permanent rectangle. That's not going to happen. So it's, this feels like a bit of a cop-out, a bit of a, well, you're not getting that. So, hey, he's a massive big screen that, if you think about ratio-wise and size-wise, will actually be a waste of space for replays or live action Um because pictures don't fit to that ratio, mm. so so what what's going to happen? Majority of the screen is going to be used as an advertising board, probably for things like the TAB or Sportsbet, which is 
Fantastic, isn't it? Uh, but there you go. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You might not. You said you don't need your glasses to see what the decision is from the bunker, uh, but you might need your sunglasses if you're sitting sitting in that southern end, even for a nighttime game. That's going to emit a lot of uh, of light even off that screen. 120 meters. That's bigger than the, the footy field. That's uh, dead ball line to dead ball. Yeah, yeah, dead ball line to the dead ball line. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I'd, yeah, well, I'd maybe just... they'll just have the one shot. That covers the whole field, mm. and they won't need to move the camera, just up and down to cover the width mm. of the well, field. Well, I, I mean, it did look cool when they announced Ed Sheeran was coming to Sydney to play there. I mean, it, yeah, it, it cool works as well, that's an advertisement, though. But we'll see how it works with um, that's with, yeah. with with replays and and all that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing is, um, well, if you look on their socials, I hope you're not just going to have one picture ten times. I've seen that too. <laughs> that's uh, that's a concern because I yeah I don't want to see yeah ten pictures or I'd rather just see one in the middle or yeah wherever it is or yeah or just I'd rather but then it look. Just draw, I don't know, it'd be stretched out. I'll no, tell you what, about. slightly off topic, but it's a bit sad that a core stadium is, is um, you know, not so long ago, the premier sporting stadium of, of New South Wales uh, and possibly Australia. And now it's, you can argue, it's probably the fourth best uh, once mm-hmm. the SFS is open. Uh, we've got Bank West going now, SCG as well. Um, so, yeah, a bit off topic, but it's a bit It'll sad. just be interesting. We'll, we might have a different opinion Monday morning or Sunday night. Yeah, guess, yeah. We'll give our we'll give our thoughts on what the 120 meter by 10 meter big screen actually does next week. Could we call it a big screen or could it be just called a long screen? Because that's a <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But maybe going a bit off topic. Uh, this week, uh, like we said, we're at the venue on Sunday night at 6:15 p.m. We take on the Brisbane Broncos, who are a the equal best defensive side of the NRL with <laughs> the other best defensive side, which is the Bulldogs, at. Um, yeah, so 6.15 p.m. Top, kickoff top Sunday of night. Top eight clash. Uh, blockbuster. <laughs> it's a blockbuster. Um, on a Sunday night. Again, we're going off topic a bit. It is our first episode together for a while. Uh, just just us two. Um, yes, because we've had Jamal Lisi, Andy how, Rabin, yep. Rob Silver. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly plug us for that. Um, and we've got we've got one, an interview also uh, in the can that I need to get around to editing, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully sometime soon as well. So keep an eye out for that one. That's a bit different. Um I like that. But it's so good to see the Roosters and Manly 15th and 16th and the Bulldogs play the Broncos uh, as a top eight clash again. I know we're getting a little bit carried away, but we have to in these in these lean times of the last few years. Well, we've won two in a row the last two games. <laughs> Just putting that out there. There you go. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so Brisbane Broncos this week, um, they had a good Good win against the South City Rebels, 11 points to four in round one. How are we feeling going into this one? I think it's doable. We got a good record against Brisbane at in Olympic at Olympic Park at the mm. Core Stadium. We seem to go all right against them. Um, I think definitely doable. Um, Broncos did have a good win against South, not taking that away. However, Souths miss, was missing Latrell Mitchell, and that was the first game without Adam Reynolds. I mean, Brisbane didn't have Adam Reynolds either, uh, which was interesting. Um, however, Souths did have their re- replacement fullback withdrawn from the game due to injury before the game started. So they had the third string fullback. So I don't think people taking into consideration and especially how important your fullback is mm. in the modern game. When you've trained with a particular fullback all week and then an out, uh, it was about two hours before the game, they pulled him out of the game. So 
Yeah, I mean, South, oh, sorry, Brisbane did a good win against South. I think it was a really good win. Uh, we had a, a gutsy win against Cowboys. I think you'd say Brisbane had the better of the two wins. However, we played in front of very, very, very poor conditions. Uh, mm. And we were, I think we'll, that was a pretty strong Cowboys outfit. I think that was their best 17. I think they were versing South without their best 17 starting the season. So, I know we're a chance. We're definitely a chance. I think we can win this yeah. game. But I think it would be if we do win, it's going to be low on towards a lower scoring end. I don't think we're going to be scoring your 30 points or your 24 points to win this. I think it would be something like maybe 12 or 14. And we just got to defend really, really well. Yeah, so pretty much the same team uh, this week for the Bulldogs as last week, uh, as last week was originally named. So Tavita Pekka, Judy's back in. Everyone with concussion issues has been named, so that looks all good. Broncos have a few changes. Um, Adam Reynolds will play his first game, so I guess that could be a double-edged sword. While everyone's expecting Reynolds to make the Broncos better, it could disrupt a little bit of the the um, combinations that that started happening last sure. week, which is good. They've also got Tessie New coming back into fullback. Uh, for a Sarko who's dropped out. So that's another player in that spine position that's different from last week. So hopefully that disrupts them a little bit. Look, the Broncos, I think they deserve to be favourites heading into this game. But um, yeah, we're definitely um, not without a chance. I think Re- referee is Ziggy Pizzalo Pes- Adaganski. So it's good to see him back in the NRL. There you go. I just saw that there on the screen. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, as far as desperation goes we need to be as desperate to win this game as we were to win the Cowboys game um, for sure it, it's a massive game as far as the context of the season goes already and in round two but you agree absolutely oh, no and I agree but and you've left off the news this week but we can talk about it now Gus Gould's come out and said Trent Barrett is safe in his role regardless of what happens we normally know what that means as soon as someone says that um but um you also claim to not know where this uh where this talk about barrett being being left (laughs) being removed is coming from i think it's pretty obvious where that's coming from but uh in all seriousness i think we have to win this game as much as we had to beat the cowboys uh for our season and for barrett's long-term future yeah for sure i just want to add that adam reynolds as well hasn't played a trial game this year for Brisbane Broncos. Uh, he, he was, they rested him, they wrapped him in cotton wool and said, we want you for round one because he had a little hamstring strain they didn't want to risk. And now he's actually playing his first actual game of the year. Not yeah. his actual, just his first game. He has, the only football he would have played would have been those opposed sessions, which is a lot different to a game. But yeah, Trent Barrett, um, yeah, Trent Barrett needs to win this game. And if he can win it well, actually, like you, you, if he can win, Comfortable, like 12 plus or so, yeah. which I don't think is what we're at yet. But if he can win that quite comfortable, that puts him in a very safe position where it goes to the horror run. Yeah. Over the yeah. next few weeks. But if he wins True. by one or two points, just, just, need to, just need to win now, to be honest. If it's one yeah. nil and we get four points after two weeks, um, that, you know, that's what we need. Just looking at the, the lineups, and I'll tell you what, there's a couple of interesting matchups. Matt Burden up against Adam Reynolds in the halves. Okay. Um, but obviously the two leaders of the, of the, the teams there, the yeah. halves. Um, Matt Dufty up against Tessie New. That's, that will be a good battle, actually. That's They're a good both battle. very exciting fullbacks. Katoni Stays will be coming up against Brent Naden. 
that that's a good center? battle because Naden. It's mm. great standard, but that's the they're the type of games where you wake up and you know you've got a classy player against you for both those guys, mm. and you just want to um, you know, one up each other. So those are the ones you get excited as when you're when you're versing an opposition player. You're paid Haas up against Luke Thompson. That will be good battle. An interesting one in the second row. I'm not sure they'll be on the same side of the field, but Luke, uh, Kurt Capewell, Jack Hendrickson. So I'm not sure if they're on the same side of the field, but that's interesting. Even not. Actually, let's put both second rows together. Jack Hendrickson and Tavita Pegnard Jr. up against Kurt Capewell and Jordan Rickey. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's I a, think you had spice with Tavita Pegnard Jr. being a former I, Bronco. I keep going down the list, Scotty, thinking that that's going to be it, but Josh Jackson up against Patrick Carrigan. Very similar work, work like yeah. 13s. Even the benches. For the Bulldogs, you've got Bailey Biondiota, Corey Waddell, Max Keenan, Arva Sinemanafungo. For the Broncos, they've got Billy Walters, Ryan James, Kobe Harrington, and uh, Row Party. Mm, I, so uh, it should be even. Mm, it'll be interesting. Even. It'll be interesting. Um, it, I think it, a lot would depend on how good Adam Reynolds can play, I think. And if he has an off night, it could be the difference between Bulldogs getting the two points. Um, mm. Hopefully it's better conditions so we can throw the ball around a little bit. Maybe that was our experience. The excuse of only getting six points in round one, but still being enough to win it. So mm-hmm. the weather looks a little bit better, but like you said, you don't trust weathermen. Uh, you wait until the day and pop your head out the window. That would be a better thing. But I want ever I want as many people there at a course stadium on Sunday. I know it's just a shitty time slot for attendance. I'm not going to lie, six fifteen on a Sunday is not ideal. Mm-hmm. But as many people as you can get there, it's a double header. You've got the New South Cup just before it as well. So you know Sunday afternoon and Sunday night the footy. Let's get as many people. Let's try to see if we can get around that 15k mark against the yep. uh, Brisbane Broncos side. I reckon that would be a successful night. Definitely, it sounds good. Uh, now, you mentioned the New South Wales Cup, so we'll quickly go through the results of the uh, New South Wales Cup for round one, uh, and uh, we will go through the junior reps uh, results and a bit of a catch up on their seasons and where they're at. Uh, including the Sydney-based ones and the regional-based ones. But we're going to actually do something a little bit different this year. We're going to release that as a separate, I'm thinking, 10-minute episode for the people that are interested in following the junior reps. But we will throw the New South Wales Cup into this one. The Bulldogs got off to a good start, defeating the Rabbitohs at Belmore Sports Ground, 24 points to 16. Uh, the try scorers were Eli Clark, Declan Casey, the man that knocked uh, Ponga, Smashed Ponder in that tackle. Credence Toya and Jacob Carraz with the four try scorers. Kyle Flanagan perfect with the boot. Uh, four from four. Halftime score was 12 all. Mm, it was close because uh, South, if correct me if I'm wrong, scored the same amount of tries. Yes, but did not kick a goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, which I thought was, you know, when you're watching it, uh, watching the score updates and stuff like that. And, um, mm. Every 20 minutes or so, checked on New South Wales. They're like, they're not, they've got to start kicking goals. It might cost them. And they did. Um, and up next uh, for the... Well, before we move on, um, we'll just quickly go for it. Zach Dock and Clay got the most tackles for the game with 34 and the most run metres for the Bulldogs uh, was Isaac Lumi Lumi. Mm, it'd be interesting yeah. to see if he can... Crack first some... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's not in the top 30 at the moment, but it'll be interesting with the certain rules and with COVID around. Mm-hmm. Might be in there earlier. Uh, but we've got the Raiders at a core stadium on Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. kickoff. 
Uh, so the Bulldogs versus Raiders in New South Cup at 4 p.m. Sunday at a core mm-hmm. stadium. So just before the the Bulldogs Broncos game. Yeah, I'm going so to be there. Definitely want to see how uh, some of the players in that. We've got a strong New South Cup team this year, so I definitely want to make yeah, sure I'm yeah. following that whenever I can. Uh, and and really watching some of the players' performance in that one. Uh, I thought you were actually going to go to the Mounties, Scotty. Yeah, I was getting In the New South was Cup, the Mounties but... coming away with a 20 points to 16 win over the Western Suburb Magpies at Kirkham Oval in Camden. Try scorers Watson Haleta, uh, Ben CFL, Dean Madison, and uh, Simi C. Koa with Jared Sublow kicking two from four. Yeah, well, I must say, Watson Hotel and Ben CFL. Yeah, when they were, they were actually playing the Mounties last year, when it was the one thing, uh, one club, uh, they they're both actually quite handy players. Yeah, yeah. They're they're some good. They're, Watson, good uh, winger, and uh, Ben CFL, great great lock. Just a bit of a provides a bit of energy at lock. I mean, we didn't get to catch that game or anything, but they are quite some talented Mounties players there. Mm. Um, and a little bit disappointing if you were a super crazy Bulldogs fan and you wanted to watch both the Maoris and the Bulldogs this week because the Maoris play Sunday at 3 p.m. Yep. Um, <laughs> at Corbett Catch Reserve against the South City Rabbitohs. So if Maoris win that, we can say the Bulldogs are 2 and 0 over the Rabbitohs in the New South Wales Cup after two weeks. Yeah, it would be good. Wouldn't that be motivation? Would you start, you know, just sliding a few to the uh, Maoris and see if you can get them twice and. Two weeks in a row? <laughs> I don't know. This thought it was good. No, no. It'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. But to round off this episode, Scotty, an old segment uh, has returned. An old segment. My favourite segment, uh, Old Dog, because you know nothing about it. Yeah. Not that you know nothing about it. Uh, but I've gone with a weird one today. I no links or anything. I just thought that someone who was at the club for a long time, a good uh, clubman, but didn't play that many NRL games for the Bulldogs, mm. but was... Uh, Around the Bulldogs for a long, long time. I've picked Adam Bryan Brunson as the old old dog this week. I thought maybe highlighting plays you, you know, haven't heard their name in a while. Um he's, you know, Mr. Fix It, second row, lock, hooker, just put him anywhere in the scrum. He, you know, was a big uh, feature of the Bulldogs New South Cup side for a long time. Um there was a was that the stat that he um he's got a ridiculous amount of club games for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I was just going to that up. Yeah, that, not many. But, you know, certain people in your top 30, you, you start to think if he started to play now, does he get more games in the current Bulldogs lineup? Because he was a good player. He was a good player. Just um, wonder if the era he came through, because, you know, very early on, he had the legendary Bulldogs side in front of him yeah. in the early 2000s and uh, very hard to crack. You could be an elite NRL player and find that hard to crack that 17 of the Bulldogs in the early 2000s. But, you know, these are the type of plays in your club. You know, they don't get the news coverage, mm. the media coverage or anything, but they're the type of players who, you know, if an injury is to fall, yep. you, you've you got faith in that to for that particular person to fill the voids. And what they do in reserve grade, they really become a leader. And Adam did become a leader of that reserve grade and nurtured. And I think, you know, might might not have heard him in a while, but you know, I think some success in the way he's been around the club falls on people like him. Yeah, absolutely. Him. And look, it's one of those things where we've got to get back to it, right? We've got to get back to um, reserve grade being just as part of the club as top grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have these players that might not 
you know, had the long-term NRL career of some other players, but have contributed to the club um, immensely at another level. He ended up playing 22 games, Scotty, over yep. five seasons in the NRL. Uh, his best season as far as games played coming 2005, where he played 16 and scored his only two tries. Um, now, you're saying that he's played a ridiculous amount of club games. I couldn't find that on live as we're talking. Mm. Couldn't find the number there, but he played over 200 reserve grade games for the Bulldogs. That's insane. So so there you go. Um, that's just reserve grade. So that doesn't include the top grade or any uh, junior games. So I imagine he'd be pushing 300 club games um, based off those numbers there. And Scotty, I thought you said that there was no connection to Old Dog this week, but you are wrong, even if you don't know it. Adam Brideson was born in Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia, and he is the old dog the week we've made the partnership with the Western Clydesdales. There you go. I must have picked it just knowing in the back of my mind without subconsciously. It together. Yeah, subconsciously putting it together. But yeah, we need to highlight players like that um, in our club. So, and I think yeah. hopefully we can get uh, we can strengthen our top grade. Well, maybe I think you might have just started your own trend. You might have made a rod for your back, but maybe that's old dog is the year of the. Uh, Lesser known player. Uh, um, do you know what? Done. I'm looking forward to it. I'll, if I can link it, I'll try. But I want to highlight those players who've yep. done well for the club and who might not have, you know, played 100 games or they might have only played mm. 50 or a top. But, you know, but he was so known at the club too. You yeah. talk to fans and you just talk to him, at, you talk at the game, people, most of them would know who he was. Yeah. That's what we need again. That's what I, I like your point. Like they were so much apart, people felt connected to them, and hopefully, in a this year with no COVID as well. I think COVID's kind of delayed that a little bit because you don't see them play as often yeah. anymore. Hopefully, we can have a interrupted season of reserve grade and NRL season, and that way we can get to know some of our, you know, those type of players. Well, you never know, mate. He's he was coaching at the Queensland Cup uh, in 2019. I don't know if he's still there. Um, but these are the type of these are the Craig Bellamy type of players. Who knows? Adam Bryanston might be the next Craig Bellamy coach coming through if he's still involved in coaching. So um, hopefully, coaches us. Maybe they pull us. All right, mate. It's been great sitting down with you again uh, for one of our episodes of the uh, NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. Even better to be doing it off the back of a win. Uh, currently undefeated and the best defensive team in the competition. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Likewise. Thanks, mate.